Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at the last Sunday of the church here. Amen. The end times have been theme since we've been celebrating All Saints Day. If you haven't paid attention, today's the last Sunday of the church year, though. And it goes with that great confession, Jesus will come again with, to, with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. If you have a little bit of familiarity with how our lectionary, our readings go, at Zion we use what's called the three-year lectionary. In the three-year series gospel texts, the readings the other years, not this year, but the other years, can consider Jesus coming on his great throne over creation. Take it captive. Because he's the Lord of all. He's the shepherd who will divide the sheep from the goats. He's that master going on a journey, leaving his servants to keep watch for his return. The more ancient one-year lectionary reading for the gospel, which Luther would be familiar with, has the ten virgins, that parable, trimming their lamps when the bridegroom comes. Only on this last Sunday, things seem very out of order, strange, holding up Jesus' reign from Good Friday. And it is not Easter time of the year being warmer outside. It's the opposite. But instead of getting beyond Holy Week, which is a really bad habit to do, trying to get beyond Good Friday, we have it before us for all good, and you'll see why, because it comes for our good at the end of the church year. Until the day Jesus comes in glory to judge and redeem his creation. His grace given and received endures from that cross of the crucified one to sustain us. St. Paul says it in many ways throughout all his letters he writes. I'll just give you a couple of them. To the Corinthian Christians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. To the Galatian churches, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To those in Rome where crucifixion was nothing but pure disgrace, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus comes on the last day, but his reign already among us through the cross keeps a welcome entrance into eternal paradise. Now, there's no easy way to say it, but there's no easy welcome for this world over the coming judgment. Even in his suffering, God's son speaks as the ultimate prophet for all time. You heard what he says today. 
And he says it as he's going to suffer and die for a sinful world. But he says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Where Jesus was to suffer for sinners, Israel would face a senseless judgment, a stubborn kind of judgment in the future because of rejecting the Savior. You know what I'm talking about. The Romans would come in 70 A.D. and destroy everything. And Josephus, a Jewish historian of that time, states it this way. Now the number of those that were carried captive during this whole war was collected to be 97,000. As was the number of those that perished during the whole siege, 1,100,000, or we would say 1.1 million. That happened in a span of about two years, from what I can remember. This end to the once holy Israel is a small picture of coming judgment on the whole world. The gospel is that green wood that has spread among the nations, that has gone out, as Jesus said, to the ends of the earth, and it's still going. But when that's gone, how dry does it truly get? There's nothing new, of course, as you know, with the horror man yields within our sinful hearts by nature. It's not hard to look at it in history and be like, oh my gosh. But there is a growing intensity to it all. You can consider, as we know, it's tossed around the Holocaust of World War II, lasted from 1941 to 1945. What's called the Holodomor in the Ukraine. You see, this was a great famine in 1932, and it left 3.5 to 5 million dead in one year. But worst of all, there was nothing natural about it. As noted, even though the Holodomor occurred during peaceful times, it is recognized as a genocide of the Ukrainian people by the Soviet government. Besides atrocities against life itself at the hands of people who would be good leaders, and we know what that means in terms of abortion in this land. But besides all that, when the wood is dry, hearts even suppress the reality of tyranny that is standing against the gospel of Jesus Christ. An article I just read from a group called Alliance of Defending Freedom. It's a group of massive Christian lawyers. And uh, they help to defend and make cases that have been many in this country for the past several years. But in their magazine for the winter edition, they wrote this year of, excuse me, it was the June edition, but it wrote this year in reflection, responding to the global rise in Christian persecution is certainly not easy. It's not about how the past hundred years have seen more persecution, but it's talking about really, frankly, just the past few years. It says, it goes on, it's not easy. Yet we have not even taken the first step, which is to acknowledge it is happening. Western leaders remain spectators 
to the carnage. In other words, we're not talking about it. It's not coming on the news and the newspapers, but it's happening. Go look it up. June this year, Nigeria. College student. Killed. Because she was a Christian. But, of course, the prophetic word of Christ is that kind of a judgment waiting for him to come. It's a serious thing we should really consider because if they do this, these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Why consider the big things, right? At the last time of the church here, you don't have to look at the big stuff. It's right before our own daily lives in our, in our, in our very faces. I was just appalled after Halloween, and boom, we're already in the holidays, and businesses are already making money. But it's happening. You don't have Christmas anymore, Christians, in a land which is going to be over Christmas by the time we come to celebrate it. Our families also feel that kind of heartlessness that's been attacking it because it's not being defended all that well in this country anymore, lifted up for a husband and wife and the good of their children. And yet, we must always remember where that prophetic word of Jesus stood as a judgment against the world, a word of forgiveness does welcome all to the Father's judgment. The intensity of the cross goes throughout time. And the priestly character of Jesus has come upon the world. And what does that priest say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It goes even to the, to the last days. You know that, right? That plea. For Jesus made his claim to be the perfect sacrifice for all people, times and places. Nothing will replace what he has given out of love. Nor is there any other appeal that can make sinners right or righteous before God. As Luther puts it, as he always does very well, but as Luther states these words, clear and manifest it is that Christ, our one and only high priest, proffers us by his wounds and tears and says, Father, here am I, a mediator between you and mankind. I am a man and have brothers who are mired in sins and in peril of death and hell, but I am dying for them. I am offering myself for them. I am gracious to them. As much as judgment is coming on the world, bringing an end the Father has already rendered a judgment to the world, for the world, because of his Son. You already sang it. Come to Calvary's holy mountain. You know this point of Good Friday. It's very simple. We just cut and paste it all the time. Forgiveness has been won. But what about it in these last days does it mean 
The Reformation, as you know, brought forth that welcomed light of forgiveness that had been twisted and forgotten. Today, heresy has turned to outright mockery, even to changing the very purpose of the gospel that's no gospel at all. Forgiveness is exactly for sinners and none other because truthfully, here's the big thing. Maybe we do not know what we're doing as much as we imagine. Maybe because of all the advancements and all the things God has given, we've messed it up so much we don't even know what to do with it. Christ is God in full. And Him lifted up on that cross is grace enough to reconcile everything to himself. As you heard, making peace by the blood of his cross, not our hands. His blood lets the baptized take their hands, though, and pray. Pray before godless and painful times, trusting Christ did not save himself but us. And yeah, he paid even for a world bent on hell. So what remains for our days, whatever days God gives us in this mortal life, is grace from Jesus as a welcomed judgment. You receive it today, once again, through his means of grace, chiefly his sacrament. A verdict given by Christ on the cross reveals then his kingly reign has come to give entrance into an eternal kingdom. The repentant criminal just wanted to be remembered. If anybody can remember him, at least Jesus, right? But Jesus told him, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. As he told his disciples about the last day, now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And what do you think the thief from the cross did but lift up his head in the midst of all his just judgment and look to Jesus? The end was already before this man, but the best news was how another man learned that it was with Jesus that grace abounded for him. As king of the cross, he was the judge, and Jesus thrown a tree of life that opened and renewed the promise of paradise. Nobody saw that revealed and fulfilled, but a word was spoken. And so you could say the first one of the New Testament who truly entered into paradise was one no one thought possible. Paradise is eternal life. And a day is coming when it will be more than a heavenly victory. But that promised fulfillment on earth. It won't have funerals. When Jesus gives you his body and blood to eat and to drink, he is proclaiming again today. You will be with me in paradise. Today, no matter this week, no matter the rest of your life, you'll be with me. 
in paradise. What he brings on the last day is bound to his word in the depths with us. You understand, we are in the depths, we're crying out. In the midst of the depths, we have a word. We have Christ's word who speaks to those who, cry, who call out to him. To despise this grace of God at work over what we see at the present misses the paradise prepared and open to us by the cross. Instead of paradise, you know how it went. The, the disciples on the third day saw the risen Jesus, but he's also the first fruits of those fallen asleep in his name. So heaven is home for now, but when the cross finally gives way, when we're on this side of the cross, but when that finally gives way, that shadow of good news, you know what will happen. It will be to the resurrection of the body and a new creation restored and given by Christ. So what does that mean for today? Life lived out today before this kingdom to come. A gracious kingdom. A kingdom that does not ask you to do, but what does for you what you cannot do. And what it allows us to do is live in this life in a right way for the good of this world. To suffer in such a way, the world would say and ask, why would you get married? Why would you stay married? Why raise children and bring them to church? The world will keep asking this because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But we have Jesus, not to ourselves and not to other things that will not last. Even as we uphold the good things for life that Jesus has promised are good. You're forgiven and you're remembered on the last Sunday of the church here by the prophet, priest, and king of his cross. The Lord of glory is with us as our brother and savior in these times on this last Sunday of the church year. Since he would not come down from his cross, his coming to be the judge is good news. As we walk by faith in him, he reigns already through the cross. Don't ever forget this. It's not merely a coming this way, but it's what has come to eat and to drink a kingdom that has no end. And so it, he keeps a welcome entrance for you into paradise. Amen. The Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. At this time, we now make confession on this last Sunday, and of the good faith and the words of the Nicene Creed, please rise.